You are listening to the Uncommon Truth Podcast, produced by the Father's House Church in Oroville, California. I'm Luke, and we created this podcast because we want to explore Christianity the way that Jesus intended it to be. If you're interested in joining us on this journey, make sure you subscribe to this podcast, or for more resources, check out changeoroville.org. Hey everybody, welcome to the Uncommon Truth Podcast. I'm here, your host Luke, as always, and Steve Orsillo is here too. Uh, as always. Yep, and we have our special guest. It's like Groundhog's Day. Yeah, we're back again. <laughs> and again, Vicky's not here too, it's like the same. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So, uh, oh my gosh. Yeah. But we have a special guest, Tom Crandall is here. Tom probably won't put me down all through it. Maybe. No. I'll have to fill we'll in. point out all the embarrassing things I've done in my life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's why we're going to lunch later, so that's she right. can tell us all. That's what, yeah, that's what lunch. Yeah. She'll, be, she'll need she'll need a place to vent. Yeah. But Tom, we're really happy to have you on with us. Just share a little bit about who you are and yeah, what you do. Yeah, I'm on. Uh, born and raised in Salt Lake City, Utah. Nice. No, I was never a Mormon. Yeah. I only have one wife. <laughs> Is there such a thing in that right Salt Lake way. City? Not a Mormon. I've uh, been married uh, almost 24 years. Next month, Ooh. have two amazing children. Joel, my son, is 19. My daughter's 14. I just dropped her off this morning for her first day of high school. And uh, so that was significant. Um, I was in youth ministry for uh, right around 20 years. Um, yeah, but getting saved in Utah, uh, the Lord just really gave me an evangelistic heart mm. just right out of the gate swinging. And um, I've been a soul winner the whole time as a, in youth ministry. I've had a passion to just see people encounter Christ. And uh, I'm on staff at Bethel Church, Redding, California. I've been there for 13 years. Uh, serve on the senior leadership team. Um, was they, they brought me there to be the youth pastor. It was Now we have a whole team that's doing it all, so I'm not really doing that that much anymore. Yeah. Just kind of connected and oversee. And then I'm over, I oversee the evangelism department. Nice. And so we started a ministry called One Hope for America. Yeah. And uh, we did that event here with you guys yep. in April. Yep. And... Uh, uh, I'm just uh, thrilled for what God's going to do in the future. So yeah. uh, excited to be here. That's yeah. awesome. We're excited to have you. Yeah. Yeah. You want to share a little bit about the vision for One Hope for America, what it is and what it does? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was in my, gosh, how far back do I go? I'll be fast, okay? I was in my <laughs> house a couple years ago looking at bad news on Instagram, not even thinking hopeful thoughts. And I, I just prayed. I said, God, what are we going to do to see America saved, you know? And I laid down to kind of just take a nap, and these words hit me in the face, one hope for America. I wasn't even thinking about hope. And um, so I sat up, and long story short, bought the domain, and it had been in a season of dreaming, like, you know, I'm in my 40s. What do I want to see with the rest of my life? And um, just been dreaming about I want to see people saved. I I love history as I'm studying history and looking into um, seeing uh, not just America's shape but the people of America Revival has always shaped this nation for good. And um, I begin to see how George Whitfield, uh, blazing a trail through the original 13 colonies, preaching the gospel. History tells us most Americans heard him more than once. And um, it galvanized the hearts of America towards uh, breaking free from a monarchy mindset to look to a man, a king, to tell them what to do with their lives and gave them an independent spirit to look to God and to galvanize our hearts to stand in the American Revolution. Had it not been for the First Great Awakening, we probably wouldn't have America today. And so Second Great Awakening, the same thing. Charles Finney stood against slavery. He was an abolitionist, real strong voice. When slave owners would come to his meetings, he would refuse them communion. Mm. 
and uh, he was a voice for righteousness and truth in society, and it began to buckle the knees of that institution of slavery. So here we are in America, and it's just like, what's the way forward? The last three years has been crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's like, what's the way forward? And I really feel like we got to look back and see what God has done. And the message never changes. We need to see hearts ablaze for Jesus and see people encounter God. That's the answer for America. When, I think Christians should be involved in politics. But once you're there, politics just aren't the answer. They don't fix anything. They don't fix anything. You need, you need the message of the gospel, the heart of, of righteousness. Anyways, that's, that's good. too long. But, but, <laughs> but, um, but we want to see crusades across America uh, and people hearing the simple gospel to get born again that's and awesome. plug into churches and disciple. So. We had a great time at your event in Orville, and like I said, in April, there were lots of people, churches came together, mm-hmm. and people heard the gospel and responded, and we've seen, yeah. you know, we've seen people that made a commitment that day still attending our church, and, oh, you know, so it's, it's been pretty cool to see the fruit of that, and we're excited to see where it goes in the that's, future. That's the yeah. joy. That's, yeah. that's why we do it. Yeah. yeah. So... On that note, uh, we're going to look at uh, the parable of the sower today, which is all about the seed that's sown and how we respond to it. So mm-hmm. I'm going to start taking, t- start reading uh, starting verse 3. And if you are listening, you can read along with us unless you're driving. I don't recommend that. But uh, here we go. And he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, the sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell beside the road, And the birds came up and ate them. Others fell on rocky places where they did not have much soil. And immediately they sprang up because they had no depth of soil. But when the sun had risen, they were scorched. And because they had no root, they withered away. Others fell among the thorns, and the thorns came and choked them out. And others fell on the good soil and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. I'm going to... Jump down to verse uh, 18, where we get Jesus' explanation of the parable. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away that what has been sown in his heart. This is the one on whom the seed was sown beside the road. The one on whom the seed was sown on the rocky places, this is the man who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no firm root in himself, but is only temporary. When afflictions or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he falls away. And the one on whom the seed was sown among the thorns, this is the man who hears the word, and the worry of the world and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. The one whom the seed was sown on good soil, this is the man who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and brings forth some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. All right, there's a lot of verses there, but this is a parable I think everybody knows and verse everyone knows. And I, I wanted to talk about it in the context of, hey, what's going on? We'll talk about what's going on, but then talk about it in terms of evangelism and discipleship and how we respond to the to the seed that's, that's sown in our lives. So, Steve, I'll let you... Uh, Sure. So yeah. this is like the bane of uh, this explanation of pastoral failures yeah. and the explanation of pastoral success, mm-hmm. really the understanding of this. And mm-hmm. so in the years you pastor and you lay your life down and you pay the cost and you're sowing and sowing and sowing and so many people wither. They come mm-hmm. up fast. They just excite. You get all, they get you all excited and they wither and they, mm-hmm. they fall away. And, you know, it's, it's really nice to have a verse that tells you that this was going to happen and why. Mm-hmm. And um, 
and you, you also have something to work. You also have a, you have a strategy, a laid out strategy for trying to create goods, make a good soil, make it bigger, make it better so that less seed gets lost outside the, the yeah. scope of your good soil. Mm-hmm. And, the, you know, so you plan, you work and you, and you pay cost mm-hmm. into the, your ministry and you get others to pay cost into the ministry and they put their time, their energy, their life, their money into this. And so the more people that end up in good soil uh, and grow and produce return to the kingdom, that that's where you know if you if you listened to this and you planned for it, you really did. You you have a good harvest to look at and say, no, I can see the fruit of my forty year work has so many people with eternal. So you take a few people that were destined for death and they got eternal life. How many fold is that? You know, how many is one person going from a seventy year life that is pretty blessed in the kingdom, and um, and then has eternal reward. How many fold return is that? I mean, it's got to be more than anything he said here. It's a much greater multiplication factor. And so when they fail, though, it's so weird. You can have a ton of fruit and then you have a few failures and you just want to quit. You just like, mm-hmm. you just want to like, I can't stand this. I can't believe this. <laughs> you know, I can't. Yeah. I mean, it's anything working and, and you know, and you, so it's, this is the great explanation for all of that. Like, the, the, the longevity of pastors in America is woefully short now. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, the explanation is really a most important part where he says the, the enemy comes and eats the seed. Well, so either the, either the sower or the seed left themselves exposed to the enemy. Mm-hmm. The, um, we, the seed of the world, mm-hmm. um, I, there's almost no defense against that. You teach the truth, you teach the truth, but if they don't have ears to hear... Yeah. They, they still get deceived by the, the wealth of the world, yeah. you know. And so there's, there's just really good explanations. And so it puts a person in a place where if they want to have a strategy for fruit-bearing life, mm-hmm. if they want to help people receive what Jesus paid for for them, like he bought it for you, you should probably get it. And if you want to work your life and lay your life down in pastoring and ministry to help people receive what Jesus did for them, this parable is just such a fabulous um, framework mm-hmm. yeah. uh, and to help us both understand the failures and say, you know, I'm sorry you didn't make it, but you didn't listen to me. Mm-hmm. Or, wow, they didn't make it. I forgot to tell them. I, I, I didn't tell them the truth and I know it's my fault. Or, like I said, they didn't listen. And I want to make sure at the end of the day that I've told them how to protect themselves from the enemy eating you, how to uh, be divorced from the wealth, the deceit of the wealth of the world. And the third one, I'm just, I just lost it. But anyway, and how to be on the good soil and produce this return. And the other thing is, what is a good return? With all these guys out there talking about wealth being the return or the evidence of blessedness is wealth and prosperity. Well, it's not. It's it's eternal reward. Yeah. That's the return on investment that this sower is looking for. That's really good. Tom, any <laughs> yeah. thoughts? Gosh, that was really good. Um, hmm. What to add to that? I don't know. I mean, that was, I'm just lost. Well, you've been pastoring a long time. You know exactly what I'm talking (laughs) about. I know. I'm going. Those kids you gave your life for, and they went and they fell on a ditch while you're telling them you're about to fall in a ditch, and they still went in the ditch. They still went in the ditch. It makes you want to quit. Like, maybe I can go sell ice cream at a beach somewhere, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Something else. Create a wood business out of a wood shop. (laughs) Other than not saving these kids. You know, (laughs) I mean, as an evangelist, I, I, I want to see people get saved. And, 
I want to preach the gospel. I'm called to cast seed. Yeah. And, and, and many times, what I appreciate about you, Pastor Steve, is, is your heart to just reach people. And so many evangelistic efforts are thwarted before they even begin because they get met with so much resistance from other leaders. It's just like, no, it's not about casting seed. It's about nurturing the seed. And it's just like, well, the parable of the sower, unless somebody casts the seed, ain't nobody going to get saved. How do you, and yes. so, How I, do you nurture a seed that hasn't been sown? Yeah, exactly. Go ahead. And so, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I can't tell you how many times as an evangelist I am like going after what I'm doing for yeah. preaching and proclaiming the gospel. And it always gets met by other leaders who aren't evangelists many times with, well, it's not about that. It's about discipleship. And I'm going – can it be both? You know, I mean, like when a, when a plane takes off, it has two wings. Don't remove one of the wings. It's going to be bad for us. And so, um, you know, I'm not called always to, to, to nurture soil. I'm called to cast seed. That's good. And so unless somebody proclaims the seed, like here's the deal, okay? God is, is God has to reveal himself in order for an unbeliever to believe. God is, um, he has to be revealed. You know, you can't just look at a river or at a mountain and be like, oh, yeah, and know, know that Jesus is the only way to heaven and you have to repent of your sins. Somebody has to proclaim the word of truth for them to get born again. And so he has to be revealed, which means somebody has to proclaim the truth. And it, it, that's why Paul the Apostle said, woe be unto me if I don't preach the gospel. And so we've got to proclaim the seed and, and get it out there. And I think... In, by the gifts of the Spirit and the power of the Spirit, there's a way to get soil ready to receive the seeds. And so we can come against the, the deceit of riches. We can come against the, um, the you know, troubles and cares of this life. And so that to help, I know that's what happened to me um, and, and help get them ready to receive the Word of God. And so, you know, Jesus said in John chapter 3, or I think it was John, uh, John the Baptist who said it, I think his disciples were getting insecure. They're like, Jesus, or John, hey, that Jesus over there, he's baptizing people. And he was like, nothing has been given except for that which came from heaven. And so let, let him go for it. And so, you know, I, I think we just got to continue to, to do what God's called us to do. The Lord's saying in this passage here, hey, I'm teaching in parables, but to you who've been given ears to hear, here's what it means. And, and so what's fascinating to me as I read this is I feel blessed. I feel, wow, like God's given me ears to hear what this is saying. I feel a responsibility to, uh, it, it doesn't matter if I feel like quitting or not. That's irrelevant. What matters is obeying what God said. Yeah. So. That's right. I think the preparation of the soil for someone like you would be the thing you would want to look for when you're, you're trying to decide, am I going to this town, that town? Where's mm -hmm. God leading me? Mm -hmm. And then when you go to that town, there's all these different groups of churches and there's all this disunity and, right. and you find somebody who's going to go with you. Yeah. And yeah. I was, I'm thinking I'm from the Jesus movement yeah. and what was spread everywhere was Jesus loves you. You can know Jesus he, you know, you just invite him in, you can know he's real mm -hmm. and you can begin a relationship with him mm -hmm. and he will work in you to perfect you. Yeah. That was really the message of the Jesus movement. Jesus Amazing. loves you. He will do this. Never did they tell you you didn't have to do anything, mm -hmm. which is the anthem of today. Mm -hmm. No, they told you, you have to allow him to change you. Right. So I would think that if you go to a town 
it's whether or not the Christians are projecting the right message. Like if they're hyping everything, so let's say, let's say all the Christians say we're never sick. And then the other people can look and say, well, you're all sick and dying. Why do you keep saying you're never sick? He mm-hmm. always heals. Mm-hmm. And then you don't always get healed. Mm-hmm. It's like mm-hmm. they know. Then when the evangelist comes, it's like, hey, talk to the hand because mm-hmm. I don't want to, I don't want to hear you. Right, right. But if the Christians are prepping the ground, the yeah. sower has a far greater harvest. Yes. Like I said, if the field is wide, and big, mm-hmm. the sower can just throw crazy and barely yeah. ever miss yeah. and get on the rocky soil. Yeah. He barely ever misses, you know, mm-hmm. the the good soil. And I think that it's really up to people who say they believe, mm-hmm. everybody who says they believe, to rightly demonstrate mm-hmm. what being a Christian is so that Christianity becomes essential in your town. Yeah. When the churches really during good. COVID were told, you're shutting down. Only essential get, um, <laughs> entities get yeah. in. Christians went crazy saying we're essential. Yeah. Well, I questioned it. I said, well, how are we? At, let's, let's look at it from non-Christians. How are you essential to non-Christians? If they're hungry, do, do you feed them? Mm. If, if, they are in, if they can't pay their power bills, do you share your money with them? Mm-hmm. Do you do what the gospel says? Wow. Do you make yourself essential? Now, I'm an Amyite of sorts. I, I, my great philosophies and inspirations were from Amy Semple McPherson being four go. square as long as I was. Yeah, yeah. So I'm a little bit of an Amyite. Mm-hmm. During the Depression of 1929, mm-hmm. nobody could have said that Angela's Temple wasn't essential to Echo Park. Mm-hmm. She fed 10,000 people out the door of her church every day when they were starving. Wow. So if they said, shut down Angela's Temple, there's no way she would have done that. Yeah, these people essential. can't live without us. That's she the def- made she, herself essential. That's the definition of essential. Yeah, you are necessary to our life. Well, so when good. people, when people um, say we're essential, the spiritual health of people is essential. Well, how are you demonstrating your spiritual health, and how does the world see that? See, they were parent. They were so they were so terrified of us Christians meeting that see they thought COVID was some bubonic plague and it was right. going to kill them all. Right. And we meet, they take it as very offensive. And now we're against them hmm. at the father's house. We said, what do we want to do during COVID? We have to meet, mm-hmm. but how do we do it in a way that's not in their face, causing them to hate us? Hmm. Hmm. We have to meet. Yeah. They need us and they don't know it. Yeah. If they if we flaunt it in their face, they're going to hate us, and then they'll never come to us. Huh. So how you prep the soil? I was amazed as how God led us through COVID. We kept meeting. We didn't do the six foot rule, but we never flaunted it. We never mm-hmm. went to a public meeting, shook our fists, and said we're essential. You know, you're evil. We're good. No, we said we're here to serve. How can we help you? Mm-hmm. And what we want to be at the Father's house is totally essential. If if catastrophe hits America, food chain breaks, the the supply line goes dead. The communications are cut out. We want people to know they can come to us. Mm. We are essential. That's preparing the soil. Yeah. See, that's, that's see, then, then when you come along and preach the gospel, mm-hmm. well, the church has some evidence. We don't go out there saying everybody's healed. Like, you yeah. know, the whole room right. was healed. That's 300. We don't 
tell them there's 300 miracles because right. they're going to go home and realize that they, they it, it was you know a lot of it was adrenaline and they weren't healed yeah well, and, you can, and you can't beat a conscience into believing right and they conscience. they can't say they, they just say you're hyping it and it's not right. true so why would i believe you about jesus if you're telling me all this other stuff is true and it's not true in your life exactly so if i'm not yeah. showing them joy if i'm not showing them love mm-hmm. But I say Jesus is all about joy, peace, patience, love, kindness. If I'm not showing those, why would they listen when you come? Right. That's really good. So that's good. I love it. Just yeah. to flip the scripts a little bit, uh, if as the person who who has received seed, do I have responsibility on any level to prepare my own heart to keep my own ground good, and what what could I do in order to absolutely do that? Yeah, absolutely. There is a, 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 I mean, it's by grace that we're saved through faith. It's not by our own works, but there is a responsibility to steward the gift you've been given. And I think that's where discipleship comes in, you know? I mean, like, it's imperative that people, like, as an evangelist, the the thing I love, like, the the last night that we had in Orville here, I felt like the crazy uncle who got to stand up and (laughs) tell everybody uh, to get involved in church, to get plugged into the church. And I feel like that's my goal is to build the church of Jesus Christ, is to, is to help people get plugged in. But um, there's so many different offenses, and the enemy has thrown so many weeds at people, seeds that create weeds um, that just need to be tilled out to help them, to help them stay and grow. And so, Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it was fun when I got to stand up and say, uh, listen, if you are offended and you talk bad about your pastors, they're going to be fine. God's protecting them. Like, God's with them, but you're not going to be fine. You're hurting yourself. And others. And others, yeah. And so it's just like, I felt the anointing on that when I released that in yeah. Orville, and it was just like, it was it was one of the greatest joys of the whole weekend to stand arm in arm with all these men and women of God that are laying their lives on to reach people and to just be that crazy uncle for a minute to, to just support churches yeah. and pastors. You know, one of those farmer things that happened in Oroville from One Hope that we are doing on multiple events, including the back-to-school prayer night last, last yeah, week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, for the public schools, mm-hmm. uh, back-to-school, is I've been here a while, and I have seen the animosity and hate the church has for itself and yeah. each other. Yeah. And the thing that's changing, and, and, you know, One Hope was for a purpose of preaching the gospel, mm-hmm. but that prepping the soil part— mm-hmm. Is that's so rich is that these events are causing uh, at least at least if we don't work together we're not working against each other yeah and nobody that i have no knowledge of anyone working against me for the first time these last few years it's the first time in i've been here 32 years Dang, and nobody's amazing. working to undermine and say you can't trust that guy mm-hmm. that guy's a bad guy that guy's doing this you know mm-hmm. he's 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 stealing you know all mm-hmm. this stuff and it all came from the church mm-hmm. that isn't happening here anymore wow. and and I don't hear it about each other. Like they were all fighting. They were always, always fighting, always mm. undermining each other. It wasn't about me. It was someone else. And it just wasn't very safe to to try to do things with other churches here. Wow. And it's really been a long road. But really in um, 17, we had another prayer walk. And what was clear was we started in 97 with a prayer walk and it was to defeat the prince of the power of the air and to begin the process. And mm. in, th- and 20 years later in 17, 
the, what was the clear message was the air is yours. Yeah. And that's what's been happening for five years. Nicole did a, did an outreach called something Oroville. Operation Oroville. Operation Oroville. Mm -hmm. And we did, that really began the process of saying, you know, I'm sorry, would you forgive me? And, and I believe in your ministry and I'm praying for your ministry. And it was really, it's, I'd say the one, one of the residuals of one hope and, and continuation of one hope is we are working a little together, mm. but we're definitely not working against, against each other. Definitely. And that's the biggest thing is a unity of, of the message. The world will hear our message because I may never talk to that guy, but he's preaching Jesus and I'm preaching yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Well, the, the, the seed in the middle, <laughs> he hears us both. Mm-hmm. And if it's, you can't trust that guy, it's like, well, I don't think I can trust either one of you. Wow. And then they do, the discipleship never occurs. Yeah. And they listen, so then they fall prey to the message of you don't need a church and you don't need a pastor. You just mm-hmm. need the Holy Spirit and you follow him. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, um, I've been doing this a long, long time. Yes. That is a disaster. Totally. Yes. There are so many voices. Just to add to that, I mean, something I've been thinking about, um, I, I'm, in a, I'm, I'm in a theology, I'm in a class, I'm in school I'm right now, and it's something I just read the other day, is just about, Paul the Apostle said there's there's only one gospel. And and he cursed anybody else, even an angel, if they preach another gospel. And uh, that's so essential. We're talking about the seed yeah. that we're sowing, right? And you're talking about the effects of this seed and how Nicole went out and the effect of that seed was was hump, humility, and forgiveness, and, and so powerful. But like the reason why it's so essential that we only preach the one gospel revealed in Scripture is because that's the only gospel that releases freedom right. and fruit that we want. There is no other gospel that releases any of the results. In fact, you can preach different gospels, like there's the Santa Claus gospel. <laughs> come to God, and he'll, and he'll just give you what— it, he'll, he'll make all your dreams come true right now, and it's not going to cost you anything. And that's a very common gospel. Yeah, you have the legalism gospel. If you give me all your money, he'll make you rich gospel. Go yeah, ahead yeah, 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 <laughs> exactly. The, the extreme prosperity yeah. gospel. Yeah. You know, you've got, you, you've got uh, forgive me, I'm just going to say it. you got the sexy Jesus gospel, which is like, you know, the, we're going to be really relevant to you, and, yep. and, and we're not going to talk about the consequences of sin and, right. and all that stuff. We're not going to put the cross. We're going to well, remove the cross. Honestly, they say there is no consequences of sin. Yeah. That one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've got many different Gospels today. That's right. You've got a lot of different seed being cast yeah. across the landscape of America. And, and it's just, it's, just we're rele- you're, you're, it's like leaders are releasing weeds. I never thought about that till now. But it's just kind of like there's only one Gospel, and that's revealed in 1 Corinthians 2 and 1 Corinthians 15. Paul the Apostle said, when I came to you, you know, I didn't come with excellency of speech or superior wisdom as I proclaimed the testimony of God, but I resolved to know nothing. While I was, which means to be conscious of nothing else except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And then with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so your faith doesn't rest on wisdom but on the power of God. And then 1 Corinthians 15, he refers to, when I came to you, this is the gospel I preached, that Jesus was crucified according to the Scriptures. So that's referring to Hebrew text. Then He was buried. Then He was raised again according to the Scriptures, again referring to the Hebrew text. Right. And then he revealed himself first to Cephas, and then to the twelve, and to the five hundred, and others, and then the rest of the apostles, and last of all, to me, Paul the Apostle says. And so it's like, here's the gospel. And we add so many different things, but the cross 
is central. And the cross, Billy Graham said, is confrontive. Amen. And it, it, it confronts us where we're at. And if we're just reading the Bible and just kind of going through it like we're taking a walk, man, we're lost because you got to get to the place where the Bible is reading you. It's a mirror and an anchor, and it shows you where you're at. And so I think uh, the fruit, we're seeing the fruit right now across America of several things. I think we're seeing where the soil's been, but I think we're, we're eating a harvest of the seed that's been sown. And we see some seed has produced righteous fruit, and then we're seeing the fallout of a Santa Claus gospel, a legalistic gospel where you feel like you got to earn it all and your salvation comes from you and it's your righteousness and you're seeing the, the extreme prosperity stuff and it didn't work out and you said... And, and so I, I just think as ministers of the gospel, I know I feel the fear of God and I feel a responsibility that when I'm standing in front of a crowd, I'm not like, this is my moment, I'm excited. No, I'm thinking like, dear God, help me proclaim and be faithful to eternity and to your written word that the seed will do its work. And why do you want to do that? You must have somewhere along the line fallen in love with the Lord. Yeah. And that is a missing message. Yeah. It's he loves you. Yeah, exactly. Not now you need to reciprocate that love. Yeah. I was speaking to a men's retreat recently with 60 guys or so. Mm. And I had nothing. The Lord gave me a a word about um, we don't consider the cost of our forgiveness, Mm -hmm. what it cost him. So we, therefore, think it's cheap. It reminds me of a story of a beggar outside of a castle, and the prince comes out all fine linen and... Mm. And, and, he, and he rides out, and, you know, it's the Prince of Peace, and he's on a white horse and faithful and true written on his thigh. Mm-hmm. And he goes up to the beggar, and he says, um, you know, what can I do for you? And he says, well, these, these clothes are tattered. And he hands him a, a, a fine linen robe. Mm-hmm. Put this on. I've given this. I brought this to you. Mm-hmm. And the beggar says, wow, how much? I can't afford much. How much? He says, it's free. Mm-hmm. And the beggar says, well, that's cheap. And the prince looks him in the eye with fire, eyes like fire, and says, I said it's free. I didn't I did say, it, say was it was cheap. Yeah. Yes. And I think that that message right there, that forgetting yeah. that free is not cheap, somebody yes. paid. And I think the idea of That's he, so I think the other message of he erased your sins mm-hmm. is so wrong that it just puts us in this, it's a free ride kind of mentality in Christianity. But it's not a free ride, and he didn't erase sins. Mm-hmm. No, he bore them and became sin mm. and paid the penalty for them. So yeah. I have a picture of you know a jail cell that I'm in because of my sin, mm-hmm. and Jesus comes up and says, you want out? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want out. Mm-hmm. Are you guilty? Yeah, I'm guilty, but I, d- I would still like to get out. Mm-hmm. Are you sorry for your sins? Yes. And so he opens, he unlocks the door and lets me out. Mm-hmm. And I said, let's go, Jesus. And he says, no. And he goes in the jail, pulls it closed, and locks it. Hmm. He didn't come to erase the penalty. He came to serve the penalty. Hmm. So he serves my sentence for me. Yeah. And I think that when I leave that jail, what do I do with this life that's been given me? Because you know if he didn't do that, I was in jail for the rest of eternity. Right. But now I have a life. What do I do with it? And I think that being essential creating the soil for others freely it's been it was freely given to me that i got out of jail Mm -hmm. i need to make it so others can truly and freely get out of jail as well yeah and and i think that what he shared with me and i shared with those men was it's not free i mean it's not cheap gosh (laughs) blew the punchline it's not cheap (laughs) it's not cheap i heard you i heard you're saying it's free yeah 
And he didn't erase my sins. He served the sentence and asked me one day if I would serve the sentence for others. Yeah. And I'm like, I, I don't think I could. I don't, I don't think I could. Mm. So he said to me, will you take the nail, Steve? Mm. You say you love these people. Would you take the nail for them? Mm -hmm. And I said, I, 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 you know that I want to just say yes in Christianese. I just want to sure, jump sure, up sure. and down and shout <laughs> yes. But yeah. I think you're truly asking me, will I take a nail? And I don't know. I don't know. the. I hope so. Mm -hmm. I can only hope so. And in the end, I was just, I was struggling because it was like the eyes were bearing in on me. I said, you know, Lord, I will take the nail. Mm. And I, it completely changed my way, the, the whole seed growing and failing and the people that betray you and the people that, you know, let you down and in pastoring and, the, and criticize and think they know better and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, the, the whole messy people ministry yeah. thing, yeah, uh, it, it becomes relevant when you realize that while I was yet a sinner, while I was still cursing him, he died for me. Yeah. And before I even was willing to serve him, he came to my jail cell. Mm -hmm. And will I do it for others? Uh, freely it was given to me. It's expected that I freely. Yeah. And I don't know. I, I, I want to, and I, I say I will, but ever since that day I made that commitment, this preparing the soil for the seed is everything. Mm -hmm. On the day you first, I first met you, I raised my hand and said, we're with you. You want to preach the gospel? We're with you. Father's house's resources are with you. Yeah. And that's, you know, we're all in. Yeah, come on. Really that's what we want. We want to say, yeah, I'll pay the, I'll pay, I'll pay the cost mm -hmm. for others' salvation. I, I'm all yeah. I already know him. You know, I could run off to the mountains, get a cabin in the hills, <laughs> see not another human the rest of my life, and I'll bet you I'd be okay. Yeah. But with the other people that I should have run into, the people that I should have prepared ground for, the mm -hmm. people that I should have been essential for, mm -hmm. will they be okay mm. if I ran? Mm. Yeah. And I don't know that they would be, so I'm not running. Yeah. Really I'm good. staying the course. It's good. Come on. I'm not vacating the seat until he forces me out of it. Yeah. He called me to this position. I'm not leaving until he pries me loose, until <laughs> <laughs> he brings me home, Come across on, the finish man. line, right? That's right. That's anyway. right. That's really good. That's really good. So it's a question of what what will we do with the seed that we've received? Will we become that? Will we become the hundredfold return that then prepares the ground for the next person, and the next person, and spreading the gospel on to have its effect? Right? We see throughout this chapter, if we were to go there, as parable after parable of the kingdom goes into your life, and then what effect is it going to have from the yeast and the flour to the mm. small seed that becomes the biggest tree? That that impact of this this has been placed into your life, and it has to have an effect, and it's supposed to expand and grow. And I think that. You know, both of you have taken the seed that you received, and whether it's spreading seed now, whether it's preparing the ground, there's a multiplication factor on yeah. what you've done. And I think for those that are listening today, it's like, what are you doing with the seed that you have received? Is it is it having a multiplication effect? Is it are you spreading seed? Are you preparing ground? Or are you actually sowing the wrong seed? Or making the ground more thorny or harder or rocky. Really you know, who, who you know, are we a, be? a verse that I, a lens that I see through is what Paul told Timothy. It's either first or, or second Timothy, forgive me, but he said, uh, endure hardship like a good soldier, compete like an athlete, because he has to win according to the rules. Mm -hmm. And then he said, and the farmer is the first one to partake of his crops. Mm -hmm. And when I think about this word, and about being the first one to partake of my crops. That means when the word comes into me, I'm the first one to eat of the fruit that comes out of my life. And so the first place I want the seed to bear fruit is in me, in the first people that 
eat of that fruit is my family. And so we can talk about reaching the world, and we can talk about, and we will, but the first place that I feel like the seed needs to impact is, first of all, my own heart, and that I, that I walk with Jesus daily. Just because I made a commitment 25, 28 years ago, whatever it was, uh, doesn't, I mean, it, st- it still stands, but like, I want to walk with him daily and let yeah. that seed continue to produce fruit in my life. And I want to be, from that, I want to be a great father and a great husband, you know, and, and, and. Those are the people, like I've seen thousands of people come and go, and you have too, in ministry for, 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 uh, for many years. Mm-hmm. They come and go, but my family, they're the ones who know me, and they're the ones who see the fruit of my life. And so the first place I want that seed to impact is at home. Mm-hmm. And I think it was, I can't remember who said it, but the, 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 the light that shines the farthest away is the one that shines the brightest at home. And so I want that seed to impact my family mm-hmm. uh, and the people that know me the most, and from there, it's just like, you know, God, what are you telling me to do? Where do I go cast this seed? And that's been my journey, you know, of just becoming a youth pastor and, yeah. and uh, seeing, you know, all those kids come and go and get impacted. And now with what I'm doing, it's just kind of like, you know, it's different. I guess, you know, John Wimber put it this way. He said, faith is spelled R-I-S-K. You just got to keep <laughs> risking you know, you don't always, I didn't know how One Hope for America was going to work out. When I, I texted my son a picture of the first night at One Hope for America, because he's watched me go on this journey, you know, and I texted him a picture of that night, and, and he, he asked me, he said, wow, did you know it was going to work out like that? Hmm. And I said, I had a clue it would come together, but I didn't know what it was going to look like. Right. I had no idea. And it's, it's all a risk. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, Mauro Murillo said one time, he said, we're not called to manage the outcome. We're called to be obedient, and the outcome is up to the Lord. And so, again, it's just That's like good. in casting seed. What are we going to do with this? Well, I mean, like, who, who am I to take my talent and bury it in the ground? I've had different seasons in my life, and just being honest, where I'm afraid. And I have to face fears in my own personhood and, yeah. and you know, and different lies coming at us and, and hitting us. And you know, we're just people. You know, we go through a lot of the same battles everybody else goes through. And it's just like, I'm not going to bury my talent out of fear. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep going. And so keep risking. Keep risking. That's, that's where I'm at. And so that, what am I going to do with it? You know, I'm going to keep risking. Keep going. Amen. I think the... Uh Preparing of soil yeah. started. So Jesus dies, resurrects. The guys go and they get yeah. the Holy Spirit and they start preaching and having converts. And immediately the gospel is perverted. Mm-hmm. Paul says, if you believe any other gospel than the one I taught you, yep. you are believing in vain mm-hmm. and you will perish. Yeah. But if you believe the gospel that I taught you, you're, you're going to be okay. Mm-hmm. And, and Peter, of course... They started fighting Gnosticism to the point where John the yes. Apostle says, I wish you'd just mutilate yourself. You perverted the gospel. I wish you'd just mutilate yourself because you're, you're, just, you're the worst thing. To say you believe and pervert the gospel is to... Is, and, they, and, they're, and they're very harsh in all their letters, and nobody really knows, unless you know the background of what they're talking to, their precious and beautiful converts, their seed that's growing hmm. is being perverted by people changing Legalism. the kingdom of God. Yeah. Violent, uh, evil, violent men 
the kingdom, what is it? They, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violence. The kingdom of heaven force. suffers yeah. violence and violence take, take it by, by force. force. Yeah. Is these Gnostics taking and twisting the kingdom of heaven to look like and be what they want it to be. And that's the force. So that it suffers violence. Mm-hmm. And people then start believing in a twisted and perverted kingdom. Mm-hmm. And then they transfer that to their families mm-hmm. and they transfer that on. And so then they, they pervert the seed that's fallen along the path. It grew up, but it was choked away by deceit. Yeah. And I think the, I think probably the 21st century, we are in hmm. even greater battle than they were in the first century yeah. of the perversion of the truth yeah. of what the gospel is and what's most important. And I think that that would be any pastors, any leader, their work of preparing the soil for that those opportunities to spread the seed, to take care of the uh, harvest, the, yeah. the, you know, your crop, yep. the crop, mm-hmm. and uh, to see it through to harvest, That's which good. is the finish line in their life. And mm-hmm. I think that, you know, this has been going on forever. And I think that Peter, when he's telling them on, in the last chapter of second Peter, he's saying, be on guard. Mm-hmm. He's using military terms that mm-hmm. when you're on guard, everyone inside is safe. Mm-hmm. They can sleep peacefully because you are watching the truth. So good. And he's telling, that's what he's telling him, yeah. be on guard. And you know what he's actually talking about? It's the deceit mm-hmm. of people preaching falsehoods. He said, like they preach these things and pervert the message. Mm. You be on guard, so therefore, yeah. and and you protect and say, nothing will harm you mm. while I'm on this wall watching. Mm-hmm. And I'm watching the message. I'm watching the truth. I'm watching to make sure that this um, deconstruction of faith doesn't occur right. in people by right. whisperings. And mm-hmm. it always comes in small things like a seed. You know, Jesus, mm-hmm. if it's a mustard seed, it's the smallest seed there is. I mean, yeah. it can be tiny and it can fall in your field and grow. It can be weeds that choke out the wheat. Mm-hmm. And it's always the same thing. It's the deceit mm-hmm. of, of, of people misusing the message of love. Mm-hmm. That change the definition of love until it means you love your dog, your coffee, your, yeah. your country. And then you say you love your wife and you love Jesus. And it's the same mm-hmm. word mm-hmm. and it doesn't mean the same thing. And I, I think this is the problem is I don't think leadership now today has really t- as much as they should taken the call to be on the watchtower. You therefore yeah. be on guard. So good. And he used a military garrison term. Being on guard is the the sentry of the garrison protecting the rest while they sleep and get their rest. And uh, and the, so our congregations and our people, our 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 growing seeds, our our harvest yeah. can be at peace because we will not let anything inside to destroy the harvest. Okay. And that's what our that's what Peter is telling. And then that's the same book where he, and I think it's the second chapter where he says in the last days, mm-hmm. people will be. And I mean, he describes our time. Seriously. Yeah. Lovers of self, not yeah. lovers of God. First lovers Timothy, of like three or four. Yeah. 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 And he really nails that. And I think that, I think that the number one thing I want to do with father's house, at least the core, the inside, the people who want to really, you know, I got to protect those good seed on good soil. Mm-hmm. I want to continually tell them how to just, Read the Bible mm. so that messages that are screwy mm. can't can't affect you, can't harm your growth, so can't good. can't foul your seed. Mm-hmm. And then when they share the gospel, their seed falls on good soil mm. and their fruit grows too. It's interesting. 
I'm in a systematic theology class right now. Mm-hmm. And last night we were on our Zoom call and Dr. Alan Hawkins, he said, he's been reading what the first century apostles taught. There was three things they were possessed with, he said. Number one, the most the biggest thing that they that they talked about more than anything else in reading their writings was standing against false teachers and false prophets. They he said they were it was the biggest thing they talked about. Yeah, they were yeah. most concerned with this. They were the most version of the that. gospel. Yeah. And so it shows you the thing that they're the most possessed about was the truth. Yeah. Because the reason you're concerned about so many false gospels and, and the perversion of it is because you're so passionate and gripped with I don't just have truth, the truth has gripped me. Yeah. And so it's like you know the fruit of a deconstruction gospel or believing, you know, well, maybe, you know, you can pervert your sexuality a little bit or God just overlooks that or whatever. And it's just like the fruit of those things is so it's, – it's such bad seed. And yeah. so I think that's why Paul the Apostle said, you know, the farmer is the first one to partake of his crops. How does that work out in your life? And, he, and then Paul added by saying, if anybody thinks I'm wrong, the Lord, too, will show him I'm right. That's right. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I always say to people. And then he dropped the mic and walk away. <laughs> I always tell people to look at their own family. And if, if your gospel doesn't work with your family, don't export it to mine. Exactly. That's so and, good. Uh, yes. That's, that's an old saying. Come but, on. You know, I, I have one prayer that I have prayed all you know the only i I, i'll pray i want to know you more for a season and then i'll pray i I want i want to receive more power you know i want to Mm -hmm. learn how to use my faith better Mm -hmm. i'll have different prayers i'll even have i've even had seasons of praying for money you know money come to me now trying to follow prosperity guys i've looked into so many different uh uh, streams like the faith movement but the one prayer that i started at very very early in the 70s and have never stopped praying is heal my wrong thinking yeah. mm. and teach me your ways so and good. lead me in the way that is righteousness. I, 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 I guarantee yes. I have wrong thinking. I guarantee I understand things incorrectly. And I remember what it started with was I was in a Bible study about the first will be last and the last will be first. And being an athlete, they, they said that if you try to win the race, you'll, you get last, but if you try, so you want to try to be last. And I said, isn't that just strategy to be first? And isn't that all about not doing that? So then if I try to be last, I won't be, you know, it doesn't make any sense. Mm. This thing is gobbledygook. And so I said, Lord, I don't get it. They're talking. And, I said, and the Lord told me, it means you all get the same prize. It doesn't mean anybody's first or last. Everybody's first and last. Everybody gets the same prize. So I raised my hand and I said, I think what this means, I, I, I know you guys don't want to offend anybody. I've been saved about three months. <laughs> and um, but I just asked the Lord what this means, and He said it means everybody ties, everybody gets the same reward. Mm. That there is no first and last. So if you try to be first, you'll be last. You're not going to get ahead of anybody. Mm-hmm. You don't get more crowns. You don't get to be more blessed in heaven. Everybody gets to heaven, and everybody gets heaven, mm. and everybody gets eternal life, mm-hmm. and everybody gets loved, and everybody gets forgiven, mm. and. Uh, I knew that was right, and, uh, and in, in the years after that, as I understood more and more of the Bible, it's exactly what it says. The, the prize is Jesus, and we all get Jesus, yeah. and, and we get the kingdom of heaven here on earth, and we all get the kingdom of heaven here on earth, mm-hmm. and we all get forgiven, and we all get forgiven, and um, that led me to, you know, I can trust him to teach me truth, and um, so that began the process of me saying, Lord, heal my wrong thinking. There's a lot of wrong thinking. Yeah. 
and heal my wrong thinking and teach me your ways and so lead me in the way that is righteousness. And I, I have only prayed that prayer my whole, that's the only prayer that I can say that I've prayed my whole life. Yeah. When my kids are little, I'm just so desperate that he would protect them and let nothing befall them, you know? Yeah. And that's a season, you know? And when they're older, it's like, you know, protect. Yeah. So there's seasons yeah. of prayer. But the one prayer that's been the whole 48 years of my Christian walk is heal my wrong thinking. That's awesome. That's good. I love that. I think that's a good place for us to land the plane today. But uh, dang just, it, <laughs> I know you guys can keep going. going. But I mean, you start talking about thinking. I'm, I'm, I'm about to preach on repentance right now. Yeah, <laughs> me too. But Lord, help us to yeah heal our wrong thinking. Help us to yeah. know know your heart. Help us to be yes. men and women that sow mm-hmm. seed and tend seed and harvest seed. And just thank you that we get to be part of your kingdom. That you would mm-hmm. use us and let our let our soil be good and let the soil around us be good. And, uh, yeah, thank you so much for joining us, listening with us. Tom, it's been great having you here. Great being here. It is. And uh, we will see you again next time. Thank you for listening to the Uncommon Church Podcast today. I hope this episode encouraged you, inspired you, maybe even challenged you to keep seeking after everything Jesus has for you and the life he calls you to live. If you haven't already, please take a moment and subscribe to the Uncommon Truth Podcast. That way you'll get every episode each week when it's released. It would really help us if you could rate and review and even share this podcast with anyone that you think would be encouraged by it. Help us spread the message to more people so that we can all live out this Christianity the way Jesus intended it to be. If you would like to get in touch with us, have any questions about the podcast, the topics, or even like us to pray for you, you can do so by emailing us at uncommontruthpodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you again for listening, and I'll see you next time.